Hello, PolyM fam, and welcome to Talk Your Poly Off, presented by ilovepoly.org. This is your podcast for ethically navigating your relationships, your community, and yourself for a healthier and happier lifestyle. This is Bella Doll. She is my sunshine full of giggles. And this is Joshua Monsuda, the logic to my emotion and the chaos to my order. So now you know us. Pull up a seat and let's talk our poly off. Hello, PolyM fam, and welcome to Talk Your Poly Off. I'm Monsuda. And I'm Bella. And we're coming at you live, almost live. Almost, yeah. From our brand new headquarters. Woohoo! Still getting set up. We've spent the last couple weeks. Yeah, feels like forever. Moving. <laughs> we got into a cozier place. We've set up our office, and tonight, we, today, this morning, we're testing the acoustics in our new office. Yeah, it's, I love the new place that we're in. It almost has, like, a woodsy cabin feel. Yeah, like you're camping. Yeah, it's totally like you're camping, and it's quiet, and you can hear the birds chirping, and there's squirrels running amok, 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 amok. (laughs) I really like it. Yeah, I do too. I, I wasn't sure at first. But the more that we're getting stuff settled in and we're getting things placed, I'm starting to feel it. And I like what I'm feeling. Good. Me too. So we've been doing that. What else have you been doing, Bella? Oh, no. Oh, no. I feel like this is all I've been doing. My Uh, whole life has been moving. I do feel like this is all I've been doing. However, did take a break. To do something way outside my comfort zone. Yes! And I figured I'd bring it up before you did. I love it! I was asked to do a photo shoot. A doudoir photo shoot. <laughs> so I did take the time to go do that. Yeah. For a local Portland magazine. Called... And I went and watched and it was so much fun. Yeah. I'm still not sure that I consider it so much fun. I'm mildly modest, maybe moderately modest. Yeah. And so, like I said, I stepped way out of my comfort zone with that one. And we will see the results in PDX Scene Magazine in November. November, yep. And I believe it's on pre-order now, actually. Oh, now. Yeah, I saw them post on Instagram. So if you go to PDX Scene, PDXS. C-E-N-E dot com. You can pre-order this magazine and (laughs) I don't know why I'm promoting this because I don't actually want a lot of people to see. Like, I'm shy. It's so good, you guys. I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm not sure that I'm excited, but I wanted to try something new. (laughs) The opportunity presented itself, so I presented myself. (laughs) such a champ with it too a champ it was so good good job champ it's such a good attitude (laughs) way to go sport well i mean like honestly so because i'm pretty shy and when i feel how do you say like awkward or nervous Mm -hmm. i play it off with humor and hamming it up and so I think a dude war shoot was a perfect compliment to my nervousness. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, we'll go with that. I guess the only real thing I've been up to is like I always plug them, but I'm doing the Hollis's last 90 days challenge. Uh-huh. Uh, so I've really been trying to focus on my water. 
That was like the first one of their five to thrive things that I was really focusing on. Mm-hmm. I'm struggling. Last last year when I did this, I did pretty good. My Bubba uh, container, my water bottle, uh-huh. I've got one at work and it's 48 ounces. So if I can drink one of those before lunch, one of those after lunch, but while still at work, and then one of them at home, because I've got a Bubba here at home too, that's 144 ounces of water. I can't quite get it. I need to start sooner in the day. Like, I need to wake up and start drinking. I sometimes think I need to wake up and start drinking. Not that kind of drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that kind of drinking. (laughs) So, yeah, I've been focused on that, and I I feel like that's it. Moving in the last 90 days. The move has definitely taken its toll, and we've gotten some great help from some great people. Yeah. But I have a lot of stuff. <laughs> I'd like to say we, but I think we could fit all yours in one small U-Haul truck. Yeah. Meanwhile, the museum of Monsada, <laughs> when it gets transported, it needs like an army platoon. Like like what, maybe four different truckloads? Yeah. <laughs> I know that when I moved to Washington State from Wyoming... I barely fit everything in a 35-foot U-Haul. Yeah. And then when I got here, I expanded. (laughs) Good job. Good job. Way to go. So we've been busy. We're just starting to settle in and, uh, yeah, getting excited to get back into the swing of things. Oh, did you mean that? (laughs) (laughs) The swing of things. How you doing? Oh, oh, tell them about that plant that you found. The plant, the pampas grass? Yeah. So apparently in the 70s, I think mostly just in Europe, if you wanted the world of swingers to know that you're a swinger, you would plant pampas grass in your front yard. Mm -hmm. And it's a tall reed with like a bushy top. (laughs) And it's generally like a white or an off-white or a yellow. And it just looks like tall, shaggy weeds. Right, right. It's called pampas grass. And when you saw that in someone's yard, that signified that the people who live there are swingers. <laughs> so in our new neighborhood, now that this has come to light, you've seen it everywhere. I see it everywhere I go now. <laughs> like, I, I don't even have, it's not, it's not even in this neighborhood. I could drive to work and I can tell you right now, five to seven different houses that have it. Right. Like, everywhere I see it now, I'm like, oh, hey. I wonder if those people swing. <laughs> Since this was a 70s thing, I do wonder, though, how many people, like, bought the house and have no idea. And, like, what if right. we just showed up and we were like, hey, having a key party? What's up? <laughs> you know, Where's your ball? I got right? the keys. <laughs> just like people who have no idea what polyamory is. But they use the infinity heart symbol. And you'll see them in like bumper stickers and window decals. And at first you're like, oh, poly people unite. And then you're like, hmm, I don't think you quite know what that means. Right, because on on one side of the bumper is the polyamory symbol. And maybe a slogan that's like infinite love. Right. And on the other hand, the other (laughs) side of the bumper is a bumper sticker that's like, uh, girl, get off my man, or something like that. <laughs> right, it's like right. total ownership and possessiveness. <laughs> it's like, no, nah, I don't think you guys get what's going that's, on here. That's not it. Not it. It's interesting, though, to see how some symbols mean 
one thing to one person and a totally different thing to another person. Right, right. Yeah. But we're not here to talk about <laughs> symbols today. <laughs> we actually came together today to discuss accountability and, by relation, responsibility. And because these two words are so closely related, I'm going to take a second to explain the differences before we get too far into our discussion. There are a couple of definitions for accountability. Each has similar but different meanings. For instance, the McGraw-Hill Concise Dictionary of Modern Medicine defines accountability as a condition in which individuals who exercise power are constrained by external means and internal norms in medical ethics, to the extent to which a person is answerable to a higher authority. Okay. The Cambridge Dictionary states it as the fact of being responsible for what you do and able to give a satisfactory reason for it, or the degree to which this happens. Responsibility is defined by Dictionary.com as chargeable with being the author, cause, or occasion of something, or being the agent or cause of some action. For the sake of today's talk, accountability is ownership of actions and behaviors internally, while responsibility is to be charged with actions or behaviors externally by, say, expectations or social etiquette. Mm -hmm. You can even think of it this way. Accountability is empowerment, while responsibility is something consequential. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So that's accountability. All right. I mean, accountability is one of those words that's like a little flexible and what it means to different people, I think. I'm flexible. Flex? I'm not flexible. Never have been. <laughs> Wish I was. <laughs> but really, I mean, when we think about it, accountability, I think, goes hand in hand with communication. It's part of how we learn and grow. People, in my opinion, people with higher confidence tend to also have an easier time taking accountability for their actions and their poor behavior. Like, I mean, if I know I'm a good person and I never meant to hurt my partner and I know I'm good in a bunch of different ways, owning up to the mistake I made in judgment or however I hurt my partner might come a little bit easier because my entire self-esteem isn't resting on making sure I never hurt them. Right. And that confidence needs to come from believing you are a good partner, and in this case, just need to be more responsive to the feedback your partner is giving you. You admit your fault and error and take more steps to improve. Taking accountability doesn't mean you're a bad person or even have bad intentions. It just means you realize your own misstep and can be a big enough person to acknowledge that mistake. Totally. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's how I see it. So, tell me the last time you had to take accountability. <laughs> uh, I think I do it on the daily. Um, it, it I mean, out loud do it like a partner. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it comes up all the time with us. Uh, mostly because I've got some bad habits, specifically with interrupting and finishing sentences and thoughts. And while I know where it comes from and it's good to recognize where those behaviors were learned... It also means I need to step back and change and kind of relearn how to handle those situations and own up to it and be like, oh, yeah, that was my bad. And right. then move forward and change the behavior. Right. So when you have to admit that you made a mistake or that you did this action, 
Um, do you often get severely beaten or punished? <laughs> like physically? Sure. <laughs> No, no, I don't physically get <laughs> beaten or punished. <laughs> well, it sounds ridiculous, but that's actually a good question because what happens when you have to take accountability for something? It's scary, right? Right. You don't you're know worried what the about the repercussion. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's good to really just like it's good to say, hey, you know, I did this. I fucked up. I'm sorry. You know, I'll work on it. It's also good to say out loud that when you do take accountability for your actions, it doesn't mean that you're going to get punished because of the fact that you're willing to do it potentially means who you may have indirectly hurt and you now you're taking accountability. That person might be more understanding and more considerate. Right. And I think a lot of us get stuck in our head of, oh man, if I admit this, I'm going to get reprimanded or, or punished or yeah. severely beaten <laughs> or, or lose the friendship or the partnership just right. because I own up to this mistake right so that's why I had to ask you that fucked up yeah. question because because that's a big deal in taking accountability is confronting that fear of actually having to admit a fault right yeah and I think that's a big deal well, what about you what have you had to take accountability for when it comes I'm to perfect I don't ever mess <laughs> up so I really don't I'm just speaking from a textbook here. yeah I, I've yeah. never had to do it no idea how this works <laughs> actually because of the fact that I have really built a lot of my internal essence or or moral code one of the things that's helped me the most is accountability and occasionally I can get a short fuse <laughs> I have a bad day or whatever it is, and now I'm cranky. Yeah. And in times like that, sometimes I get snappy. And it takes me a second. Like, if you're asking me a question, maybe I get a little snappy with you. It almost right away I realize that I've done something that, that was potentially hurtful. And, of course, I don't want to hurt you. Yeah. I adore you. I love you to death. And I want to make my partner happy. So I almost, as soon as I recognize what I've done and that it did come out sounding short or shitty, I feel like I'm pretty quick to say, hey, I just snapped at you. You didn't deserve that. I didn't mean to. I'm sorry that I did it. Yeah. And I feel like I catch those relatively quick. And because of that, you and I work on it, and you become understanding, and we can grow from it. Yeah, and it's definitely better since we've been on our self-improvement and personal growth journey and working and acknowledging all this stuff. You've gotten better at picking out that, oh shit, I got snappy here moments. Right. Yeah, so I think that's that's one of the ways that I can share something I've had to be accountable for. Nice, that's that's good. Well, and speaking of our personal development and personal growth journeys, well, in my opinion, most accountability work is done internally for yourself. I think that there are times in a relationship, any type of relationship, where we need to hold another person accountable. 
never meant to shame or humiliate or scold anybody, but rather to call someone out on their shit so you can both take steps towards relationship repair and or restoration. Yeah. Like, for example, if person A says something embarrassing about person B in front of a group of friends, which might have happened once or twice with us. Probably. Later at home... Person B would say, when you did or said this thing, it really made me feel bad. I'd appreciate it if you didn't do that again. Now, A could be feeling awful about what they did, and that could send them into defensive mode. But if they're mindful in the moment, they can say, you know, I'm I'm sorry I did that to you. Uh, I'll reflect on some ways to change that behavior going forward. That's a huge step on cutting down on blow-up arguments and fights, but also really helps to build strong communication and trust. Definitely. One of the other examples that I can kind of think of, as far as like building trust goes and working on that communication, I know I've used a word or language before that's maybe offensive to people in the past and just out of ignorance. I didn't know, and so once I was called out on it, Thankfully, someone called me out so I didn't walk through this world looking like an idiot. I apologized right away. I took the time to research why it was offensive. And then I went to bat, helping the other people see the issue in their language. I didn't get defensive or dig in my heels. I opted to own up and grow from it. Yeah, you did. So it helps, that communication and trust building. Well, that's especially, I don't want to go too much into a tangent here, but that's especially important in today's age is that older terms or you know, certain languages that weren't something that we saw as offensive or troublesome in the past. Right. You know, the newer generations are coming up or, or the the community is growing and opening minds enough to where we're starting to realize and understand problematic language or behavior that we didn't think was bad before, but now we might be seeing that it's damaging right and just a perfect example of that on on your side tangent here is my favorite favorite absolute number one top tv show is friends from Uh the 90s yeah you watch friends nowadays and there's all sorts of uh feminist issues in there there's crazy toxic masculinity there's homophobia there's all kinds of stuff in that show that back then nobody realized or nobody said anything maybe they were just quiet it just wasn't a thing back then and now you watch it and because we are more aware of how the world is changing and what's appropriate we can pick and choose and see oh that that wouldn't fly these days this is not okay right yeah definitely so uh getting back to accountability really why is this important in polyamory i mean after talking about this I think it becomes pretty obvious. Accountability is an essential aspect of handling a wrongdoing, whether intentional or accidental, by owning your own shit and doing so without having an excuse or other type of scapegoat mechanism to lessen your involvement in said issue. The more blunt and honest we can be with our fuck-ups, the better we learn as individuals. And the more we can show each of our partners how much we value them by taking ownership of our transgressions and our genuine attempt to grow from them. It also helps foster trust, which is essential in building solid relationships, of course. If I can admit my fault in a scenario without trying to shift responsibility onto some abstract reasoning, 
I can show my partner I'm being open and honest. I'm making myself accountable for my actions and that I acknowledge what I've done was potentially damaging so I can work to not do it again. Right. So that whole scapegoat thing, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like when we talk about my interrupting you, right? I grew up in a big family and I could tell you all the reasons I do it. We had to speak up. We had to speak fast. We had to speak loud to be heard. Right. But that's not me saying, well, this is why I do it and it's never going to change because I blame my family. Right. And I think that's some of the difference. It's explaining, sure, and understanding where it comes from. But just so that way I can change it and grow from it, not to be like, oh, well, this is where it's from and it's never going to change. Well, and that's, you actually bring up a really good point with that. There's a subtle art of understanding, reasoning, and accountability. Like what you're saying right now. If you're saying, I just don't know how to change it because this is how I grew up. If I'm reading between the lines, I can understand that you're maybe saying... I'm not going to really change because this is what I'm used to. Right. And because of that, there's not going to be the effort. I mean, you're not taking on the responsibility. You're not developing the accountability for those actions internally. But with us, when you say, oh, shit, I didn't didn't realize I did that. I'm sorry. And you say that first Mm -hmm. and you say it genuine and and you try to explain why you do it and you've also gotten better at not doing it so while in both scenarios one you're blaming your family and that's just the way it's going to be or two you're blaming yourself and you're explaining the history on how it got there you can see the difference the explaining the history on how it got there is you recognizing that you did this thing and that it was a potential issue and you want to know why you do it so that you can learn how to change it. Yeah. And that's a huge difference. And I think that that it's a subtle thing that not a lot of people get. Because if you're not paying attention, your understanding of why something's happening could easily become the scapegoat type scenario. Yeah. Right? It could be the blame shifter or it could be whatever. And that's kind of your excuse of not having to deal with it. But like on my end, if I'm listening to you... I can take it one of two ways. You could be genuinely telling me, hey, I'm sorry. I messed up. I just want you to know that this is why I do it. But I'm recognizing why I do it and I'm trying to change. I can take that as, oh, she just she's just not going to try. So I guess what I'm getting at is you also have to be mindful of the intention of what someone's trying to say. Right. If someone's trying to be accountable for their actions, but they're not saying the words in a way that sounds, I don't know. If they're not saying it in a way that is just cut and dry, hey, I did this, I'm sorry. If you're not willing to listen to that and the explanation behind it, as you see them try to grow, then I don't know. I think really what it comes down to is Also being aware of intention. If you're going to let your partner take accountability for their actions, or anyone, a friend or family or whatever, you also want to have that compassion to allow them the space to take that accountability so that they can see that owning this thing is actually good for them and it gives them room to grow. Yeah, you're not going to bite their head off because they're not doing it right. 
when you see that they're trying. Right. No one's going to take accountability if they feel too confined to grow from it. Right. So I think what you, what you brought up was a really good point, and I got a little <laughs> wordy. At any rate, this thought process can range across many levels and types of relationships from a person you're wanting to see casually to a long-term nesting partner. And, of course, it can be applied to friends and family, like I said, co-workers, all of the other connections that you've got, really. Well, so from the five, the few different websites that I was looking through, I compiled a list of five different steps that you can take to try to improve your accountability in any relationship. From the multiple websites that I was checking out for in my research today for this, Insperity.com had an article on accountability for the workplace, like how to get your employees to hold themselves accountable. So I took that and twisted it a little bit and ran with it. These are the five steps that I came up with using that website for improving accountability in a relationship. Number one, choose to have the difficult conversations. Don't let them go by when the moment hits you. Oh crap, we need to talk about this kind of a thing. For example, John, I noticed your move shifted after we did X, Y, and Z. Can we talk about what happened from your perspective? You really want to seek to understand why it happened and why they feel how they do. People don't always understand how their behavior affects others. So, so you really want to... Well, and I think that... I think that goes to what we are just talking about. Is allow a person a chance to understand why it happened and how they feel the way they feel. Yeah. yeah. And you really want to have that, have that conversation uh, right up front. Don't put it off. So address the issue ASAP, soon as possible. Have that hard, hard conversation privately so you're not embarrassing anybody, but make sure you have it quickly. You don't want to let your frustration or theirs fester and stew. You don't want to stew on it and get mad later, and it turns into a big blow-up. Right, because that's where overthinking happens, and then suddenly your small incident becomes a gigantic problem. Right. So nip it in the bud. Right. And then number three, consider their feelings, not just your own. You can usually assume that people don't understand the impact of their behavior, so showing concern for them helps maintain their self-esteem during a difficult conversation that might make them feel torn down if you weren't so aware of their feelings. I feel like all the stuff we talked about before this list of five things... It kind of All goes right in this. Almost like... We've been doing this. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. I don't want to practice what I preach. I hear that's bad. <laughs> and then one that I think is a little bit harder to do when you're working with a partner relationship is to set goals for improvement. So, like, we talk about how I'm always interrupting you and finishing your sentences. I could keep track and pay attention to how many times I do it. So I have an estimate, a rough number. That way I can actually measure my progress for improvement and eventually lead to stopping the bad behavior. When you set a goal, you know, for improvement on something, it, it's nice to be able to track it and be like, I actually did do better. Right. Three months ago, I used to do it 500 times. Now I do it once or twice. And then number five, the last step to it is following up. You really want to revisit that difficult conversation later. I don't know, maybe a week, whatever feels right. 
and then talk about the positive changes and improvement. If you keep it light and happy and loving so that taking accountability ends with a positive experience, just like we were saying earlier, where you don't want to, you know, beat them down and shame them because they held themselves accountable. Mm -hmm. You want it to be a positive experience. So that way this is a good thing for them to do. Yeah, that way you can encourage them and empower them to continue on their path of progress. Yeah. And I kind of want to jump back to number four with your setting goals to improve. Okay. This harkens back to our internal monologue episode. Mm-hmm. It's not much of a harken. It was just a couple <laughs> episodes ago. But this is a big deal. Like if you're going to, if you're going to count or keep track of how often you're doing something, you want to do it without taking it personally. You don't want to... You don't want to start beating yourself up over it. This is a chance for you to grow, not to punish, right? So if you're going to follow this setting the goals to improve, the number four, try to make sure that you're also treating yourself with compassion. You're doing this to learn, and remember that. You're doing it to learn. Well, and it can even be, you don't have to count and measure. It could even be, you know, oh, man, We've been feeling really good about our communication lately, and we haven't had any arguments. We must both be really owning up to our things, yeah. and um, it could just be checking in on how you feel. That could be a measurement, you know? That could be yeah. a, a goal, is I just okay. don't feel better, you know? So yeah, it, doesn't, that makes sense. it doesn't always have to be a numbers game. Well, and that's the thing, is relationships don't have to be a numbers game. No, not at all. Mostly about feelings and, and talking. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of it. And honestly, taking accountability can be tough as hell. Especially if you aren't used to having to be so blunt about yourself out loud to others. But it's kind of one of the coolest ways to build character. And it shows yourself and the world around you what you're truly capable of. It's an empowering feeling, without a doubt. And after a while, it sort of feels like some kind of awesome superpower, you know? (laughs) Even though I've been pretty good with this in my life, the accountability business, I still struggle and stumble. But that's the beauty of accountability. It's always there to keep you strengthening your skill. And especially in a polyamory, (laughs) you get so many chances to use it. But it helps you keep your integrity in line with your personal values, which is always going to be a great thing for your soul. Definitely. So I guess that's our take on accountability. In polyamory, it's it's a skill that'll take you far. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, currently, I only have one partner. Right. I can't imagine if I had a handful of partners right now. And I was like, man, I'm having a disagreement over here, and I don't see eye to eye over here, and we're good, and we're good, but this one, blah, 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 and going on and on, and having to have the hard conversation here and have a hard conversation here... Three out of the five relationships I'm having hard discussions with, that can really beat a person down if you're feeling like, I just keep fucking up everywhere. Oh, yeah. You know? So, this is hard in polyamory. And not that it's not hard in a monogamous culture either, but it feels like it's multiplied. Yeah, it's definitely an amplified thing. I mean, in a one-on-one relationship, taking accountability is still a tough thing to do. Yeah. And then you start having multiple one-on-one relationships. You're definitely putting yourself out there a lot. And you're having to be as honest with yourself about yourself as you can. So that you can continue to make the right decisions. 
from what I've seen in others and once or twice in my life is that once you start using that scapegoat or once you start having a reasoning behind doing so, yeah, but yeah, well, you know, really like it starts to become this, right. And it becomes a habit and it starts permeating pretty much every aspect of your life. And eventually you're not taking accountability for shit. Yeah. And no one's looking at you with any credibility and you're not even looking at yourself. And that's the biggest part is you're not looking at yourself with any credibility. You're like, Oh, you know, you got to blame something else because you, your ego is so fragile now that, that you can't blame yourself when you did something wrong because then what kind of a shitty person are you? And then it, Cues the internal monologue. Yeah. So, really, the more you do it, in my eyes, the more you take accountability for your actions and the more that you just are straightforward with it, the more you're tying up loose ends. Yeah. You know, when I think about it, I think about it as we're weaving this giant, messy web of get out of jail free cards. And after a while, you're such a mess. That you're not reliable, that people don't want to take you serious, or eventually people are just going to lose faith in you because you're kind of losing faith in yourself. Right. Oh, that was kind of mushy. That's cute. I don't do it much. <laughs> you go ahead and keep track of that. <laughs> but yeah, I, and you know, and and then some gets to become such an issue in your life that you don't realize what's what anymore. So really, this. This just keeps you on an even keel, and it keeps your compass pointing north. Yep. Really no bad could come out of it. And the person that gets super mad at you Mm -hmm. when you are taking accountability, fuck them. Yeah, they're not for you. You're doing the right thing. And as long as you're doing the right thing, who gives a shit what someone else thinks? Right? Let them move on. You've got bigger and better things. Yeah. And they may be doing great in their own life. I'm not saying that they're a bad person. Just saying that... They uh, might not be growing with you. Right. They're growing at a different rate in a different direction. Yeah. And that's a beautiful way of putting it. Oh, thanks. Oh, you're welcome. So, I mean, like, unless you got anything else, I think that this discussion is over. Yeah, I felt a little short today, and that's okay. It was some good content, though. Did it feel short? Maybe. Maybe we should do some juggling or something. I mean, I got a big, fat wiener on my chest right now. How about I leave us off with a couple of quotes that I found to be kind of nice. All right. Quote quarter. Catherine Pulsifer says, at the end of the day, we are accountable to ourselves. Our success is a result of what we do. So I like this one from Bob Proctor. Accountability is the glue that ties commitment to the result. Oh, I like that one. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Especially because people like to question commitment and polyamory. Yeah. How can you be committed to multiple people at once? Yeah. Easy. I have glue that ties my commitment together. I got glue for you. (laughs) All right, last one by Chris Richardson. I think this is probably the cleanest, simplest way to say it. Okay. Accountability. Say what you're doing, do what you're saying. Love it. Alrighty, Polyam fam, that does it for this discussion today. Thanks so much for joining us to talk our poly off. 
We would infinitely love your feedback. So please feel welcome to add a rating and review wherever you're listening so you can help us get more people talking. Maybe take a screenshot while you're listening and share it with your friends. Remember to tag us and the show so we can thank you. We love helping break down the negative stigma while normalizing consensual non-monogamy, and we appreciate your help spreading the word. You can find a few ways to interact with the show and each other through the many links on our social media down in the show notes as well. We are a community and love seeing everyone in the community interacting. We're always looking for your happy poly moments to share on the show, so please email us your moments at podcast at ilovepoly.org. And until we sit down to talk our poly off again next week, yep, yep. spread that love. Thank you for talking your poly off with Bella and Monsada. You can find our Facebook page in the links or by searching for I Love Polly and liking the page Polyamory Get Your Heart On. You can also find I Love Polly on Instagram and Twitter by searching I Love Polly Cares. If you want us to help you navigate to all of our online presence, check out the show notes or come on over to ilovepolly.org. We would love to hear from you. That's right. And you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at ilovepolly.org. That's singular podcast, not plural. So until our next discussion, Polly and fam. Live like there's no tomorrow. Laugh until it hurts. And and love love without without limits. limits.